Amen. 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 My Bible's upside down. There we go. Mm-mm. Well, I want to say first that I apologize because it's been a couple of weeks since I've preached to you and that was not intended. For those of you who don't know, I had a head-on collision with the bottom of a pool a few weeks ago. And um, the Lord is good. Could have been a whole lot worse. Y'all want to know, I don't really remember this, my wife has told me, but y'all want to know how good God is? I put like a four-inch gash at the top of my head, and I still have my hair. Y'all, y'all do realize that if they'd have had to shave my head, that'd have been it, right? It wasn't coming back. Y'all know that, right? Like that'd have been it. It'd have been done. I'd have, I'd have done the Hulk Hogan thing. Just let the sides grow real long, keep the top shiny. We'd have gone for it. You know what I'm saying? I'd have probably been in marriage counseling the second that started. Amen. Well, I'm not. I'm not gonna preach on that this morning. I'm sure there's a, there's a couple messages coming from it, but I got a series I gotta finish. How many of y'all remember what series we were doing? a series called Invest, and we were talking about investing what God has given us and that God has given every person, man, woman, and child, three currencies. He's given us time, he's given us talent, he's given us faith. A lot of times you hear this taught, and it's time, talent, and treasure. I disagree. I think treasure and time are the same. It's time, talent, and faith when I see it. And he's given this to us, and what we're investing in is what we're going to reap from. Amen? And so what tends to happen, I just want to recap a little bit, what tends to happen is, first off, people don't realize that they have currency outside of money. They don't realize that they have other currency. They don't realize that they spend things all the time, that we spend our faith on things, we spend our time on things, and we spend our talent. And to just recap, as I told you before, how many times, how often do you say, I'm going to go spend time with someone? I'm going to go spend time with my grandma. I'm going to go spend time with my kids. Well, I'm spending a currency there. How many of you have ever tried to get better or get a job in an area that you're gifted in? Like, I'm good at singing, so I want to get paid to sing. Or I'm good at football, so I want to get paid to play football, right? Well, I'm, I'm investing my talent to try and get something. And we all invest faith. We invest faith in what we hope is going to bring things to pass. For example, we invest faith all the time. Well, man, if I can just get me a guy, if I can just get me a girl, then my life will be better. If I could just get me a better paying job, my life would be better. If I could just have a child, my life would be better. And we put our faith in all these other things when in all reality, our time, our talent, and our faith should be invested in one place because there's only one place that has never produced, has always produced a return. It's never failed to produce. And we don't realize that. And then we got into the second week about what each one is and how our time is our money. And that when we're giving our time to the Lord, our money to the Lord, all we're doing is giving him back the time that he already gave us. And I said then, I'm going to talk about a little more today, God is not interested in money. He doesn't need money. God wants obedience. God wants faithfulness. God wants stewardship. God wants things in us and through us to be developed. And money is just a tool he uses to do that. But today, and then, sorry, the third week we talked about um, don't forget to check the soil. Make sure you're sowing in the right place. 
lot of times we sow the right thing in the wrong spot. We wonder why we don't get the return we wanted. But today, I'm going to close it, and I'm, I'm encouraged to let you know the title of this message should be very encouraging to you. The title is, We Shall Reap. We Shall Reap. Pray with me real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're amazing and you're awesome. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to go to verse 9. Galatians 6, verse 9. And it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I'm going to tell you a little secret. When I was youth pastor, and I youth pastor in 2009 to 2019, and for all 35 years that I youth pastored, um, nobody caught that joke. That's what it felt like. And if you've ever done kids ministry, you understand that 10 years is actually three and a half, four decades. So, but early on, I was working a, a secular job, didn't like it, wasn't making a lot of money, struggling, all kind of different things going on. The youth group was struggling, and I Anytime that I had trouble, I would go to this verse of Scripture. This was my verse. But what I tended to do was I used it to teach and, and help my young people. Because back then, that was when Twitter kind of first came out. And so whenever they had a bad day, they told everybody and posted all over the place. And so I finally said, listen, I said, I'm going to challenge you. They said, what? I said, whenever you're having a bad day, I want you to post a Scripture. Don't post your feelings. And I said, what do you mean? I said, okay, if you ever see me post Galatians 6, 9, it's been a bad day. And they were like, okay. And so from that point on, I'm talking years later, I'd, it'd be 2017 and on Facebook or something, I would post Galatians 6, 9 and I'd get text messages from kids who weren't in my year. They'd done moved to different states. Hey, you all right praying for it? It's been a bad day. Because they knew it because of this scripture. Because let us not grow weary in well-doing. There's a few things in this verse that I want to show you. There's three things. A warning, a promise and a condition in this verse. There's a warning, a time, warning, sorry, a promise and a condition in this verse. Let's look at the first thing, which is the warning. Let us not grow weary. Now, when I read scripture, I, I've told you this before, and I think you're all learning more. I'm preaching here. I read the Bible very slowly, like very slowly, because I want to know why there's a comma and not a period. I wonder why there's a semicolon. I want to know why Paul writes in run-ons. Y'all ever noticed that? <laughs> Paul writes the longest sentences ever. He would fail an English test. That man's got like 35 sentences in, I'm like, bro, periods. They're amazing. And they help. They really help. I feel like periods would make understanding Romans so much easier. But he didn't, he didn't believe in periods, I guess. I don't know. Bless God. Or maybe he was just so excited and so, like, confused at the same time, he just wrote. And like, like y'all can figure this out later, apparently. I guess that's how it was. But I want to know why everything is in there. And I don't know about you, but when I see, let us not grow weary, that made me pause. Because I, re- I don't think I grow weary, I feel weary. Right? Or I am being weary. This doesn't say that. This says, let us not grow weary. Who grows things? Who grows things? A farmer. Thank you, Stanley. It wasn't, it wasn't a hard question. It wasn't a trick question. I promise. Farmers grow things. Well, how do they grow things? What do they do? They plant seeds. They till the ground. They water it. They take care of it. And then they reap a harvest. 
So if Paul is saying, do not grow weary, he's telling us not to plant weary. He's telling us not to invest weary. He's literally giving us a, a, a warning in the first verse, let us not grow weary. I mean, think about that for a second. Farmers grow corn, sugarcane, cotton. People grow joy, peace, fear, faith, regret. Also notice, let us not grow weary while doing good. So when I was reading this, and I was studying this a couple years ago, and this kind of jumped out to me, I rarely understood something because I like gardening. If you come to my house right now, you're going to judge me because I haven't gotten the chance to take care of it in a couple of weeks, and it's been raining like, you know, 25 hours a day. So it's a little crazy, but I like gardening. And every year, right after the winter's done, I like going to get fresh bags of mulch. I like getting fresh annuals, some fresh perennials. I like planting things. I like having, I had like an LSU theme part of my garden this year. And then the heat killed it, and I was pretty sad about it because I was excited about it. It looked pretty good. But I was excited about it. But what I realized is that I can be growing a garden, but something else shows up when I'm growing a garden. Weeds. To understand this verse, to understand what I'm saying today, we got to talk about weeds. Now, I want to tell you something. I never, ever thought in a million years that I would never, I would need to research weeds. Ever. But if we're not careful, you realize you can grow weeds with your garden, right? So what, what I do in the evening when I'm like right after I plant it, and you got to water it every day, a couple times a day, whatever it is. I get my kids home from school, and my hose is right on the side of my house, and my garden's all the way across the front. And because I got a little laziness in me, I don't like to take the hose, just a little, I don't like to take the hose and walk all the way because I don't want to roll the hose back up. Because I don't know, that's like wrestling an alligator sometimes. Like changing a diaper and rolling up a garden hose are two of the most annoying things at times. So I take it, I unroll it enough, and I stand at the foot of my garden all the way on the left-hand side, and I just shoot the hose like this. And my kids want to help, and they hold the hose, so I'm shooting it right there. Well, see, I'm watering it. I'm being a good steward. I've planted seed. I've planted a garden, and I'm watering it. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do, except one extremely crucial part. I'm not pulling up the weeds. So even while I'm watering and doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm growing weeds. See, you could be coming to church, you could be going to life group, you could be praying, you could be reading, but if you're not weeding the garden of your own heart, you're just watering weeds. We're letting things fester. We're letting things develop. We're letting things just continue. Pastor Carl gave me years ago one of the greatest piece of advice I've ever heard when it comes to dealing with issues and offenses in church. And I don't know if he ever told you this. If he didn't, you should be upset with him because it would have saved you a lot of time. Just kidding. Don't be upset with him, but you know what I mean. He calls it the Lazarus principle. How many days was Lazarus in the tomb? Four. Pastor Carl says, do not let an offense go longer than four days. After four days, it stinks too much. You got four days. So that means it happens on day one. You got day two to get your heart right, and you got day three and four to get with them, to have your first conversation. And, and I'm big. I will do that. Like, you make me mad on day one, that's fine. I'm going to take day two to get it right, but, buddy, you, I'm getting a call, you're getting a call at 7 a.m. on the third day. I want to make sure we get together and talk about it before it gets bad. I don't want bitterness to get in. But we have to make sure that we're weeding. Why does it matter? We you know a couple of things here. 
Weeds are opportunistic and grow only, listen carefully, they grow only where conditions are favorable. They have the ability to grow anywhere there is room, and weeds are usually not native nor planted in the garden or fields, but they are carried through the air. Well, weeds are not native to the kingdom of God. Weariness, depression, anxiety, fear, anger, frustration, that's not native to the kingdom. For the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, right? So those are not native. Weeds are not, but they grow wherever there's opportunity. Oh, y'all, mm, y'all. They only grow where there's opportunity, where there's room. And they're carried in on the air. Well, well who controls the air? Satan does. He's the prince and the power of the air. And Ephesians 6 tells us that he shoots arrows, flaming darts. Why? He don't want hand-to-hand combat. He can't beat the sword. So he stands at a distance, shoots arrows at you, and hopes that through the air this stuff will find a spot with room in your heart that has an opportunity to grow, and when it gets there, it's, boom, it starts growing immediately. And if we're not careful, we water that thing. Who We spend time with the author of life, right? We spend, when I get with Jesus, I'm getting life. When I get with Jesus, I'm getting value. I'm getting life added to me. It's like I'm watering myself with the washing of the word over and over again. But if I've got weeds and I'm watering it, and the weeds are going to grow just as much as the water is. I mean, as the plant is. Why? Because I'm giving it life. Some of you wonder why you're going to church, you're doing what you're supposed to do, and you're still offended. It's because you're watering the weed of offense. Why? Because you're going to church, getting in the presence of God. You've already ignored his conviction about it, so now you're numb to it. So you get in his presence, and his presence makes you feel amazing. His presence restores you. His presence makes you feel like you're supposed to feel, and yet the bitterness is still there. So you then begin to feel justified in your bitterness because, well, God never took it away. Weeds don't uproot themselves. Let's keep going. How do we identify weeds? 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 tells us, For we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. I like, I think it's the King James says, into subjectivity. Like, not only am I going to put you in captive, but I'm going to tell you where you got to go. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's the end of the verse, sorry. I'm going to keep reading. It says that we cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Of God. How many times a day do you have a thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God? And see, some of those we're good at knocking down. We see them coming a mile away, and we knock them down. We went to the mall. I mean, I went to the mall before the tab team meeting on Thursday night, which was a lot of fun. We almost, uh, do we need marriage counseling? Y'all, y'all good? We had a, we had a, uh, Rock, paper, scissors, tournament, Stanley and Rochelle were the two win the championship game. Stanley won, just making sure we didn't need to have any marriage counseling after service today. But I went, I went to the mall, right? Y'all know they went home and put the kids to bed 
And like before they got in bed, they're like, come on, we're playing right now. Come on, we're playing. I guarantee you. Anyway. Oh, they played again. And she still lost. That's amazing. So I went to the mall. And I like the mall because I like the people watch. I like to sit down and get a cup of coffee or an icy, but since I'm on a diet, I didn't get either. Self-control, amen. But people watch. It's amazing how you can just sit there and watch. You want to see just and reveal where you have problems in your sin nature? People watch. If you got prejudice, it'll show up. If you got a lust problem, it'll show up. If you got a jealousy problem, it'll show up. Why? Because you're just looking at people. And the enemy knows exactly who you need to be thinking about, right? So you could walk around the mall. You could walk around a place like that. And if you have a lusting problem, there's going to be someone at the mall that you are attracted to. And that arrow, that weed, that arrow is going to be flying in. Try to find a spot to make the weed grow. So what do you do? You got to take captive that thought. No, I'm not giving that thought any life. I'm tossing it away. Because I'm pure, I'm right, I'm holy, because I'm made in the image of Christ. You have to take these things captive. So many times we don't. You need to go through your life and pull out weeds. What right now is growing in you that shouldn't be? What is being allowed to get life? What is being allowed to linger? What is being allowed to stay active in your life that shouldn't be? And see, real quick before I move on, I truly believe that our process of sanctification, when we get saved, we're sanctified, but he makes us look like Jesus day in and day out for the rest of our lives. And I truly believe there are layers to that. There are seasons in that. And your process is going to look different than mine. For example, I have never been in my life in a nightclub, ever. Never been in one. I didn't grow up in that atmosphere. I've never been drunk. I've never taken any drugs. None of that. Never done any of that. So... When, I, when the Lord started working on me, he didn't have to bring me through a season of deliverance like that. What he had to get me free from was religious pride. Somebody from that other lifestyle could say they probably don't have any religious pride. Are either of, are either of us worse or better than the other? No. But what happens is I'm going through religious pride and he frees me from it, Right? That person who comes from a rough lifestyle, they get saved. They get set free and full of the power of God. Well, guess what might show up three years in? Spiritual pride. But I already walked through it. But since I was a kid and walked through it, now I'm an adult, and maybe stress is getting the better of me, and I get mad one night, and I go have a drink. See, the process isn't the issue. The different sin issues aren't the problem. The problem is what are you going through and not dealing with? What are you allowing to stay in your life? Because what we do is we compare to each other, we judge against each other, and then we wonder why we have nobody to go to when we need help. Oh, I can't, I can't go to Taylor. I can't go to Taylor because, because I know Taylor one time had, had, this, had that issue, and I don't want her to help me. No, no, she had the same issue as you, and God freed her from it. She's exactly the person you're supposed to go to. Don't be proud about it. Get the weeds out. Listen. When I first pulled out, first did my garden, we bought the house in 2018, and I'm moving on after this because I'm taking too long. But we went and we had the garden in the front, and it was a disaster. I mean, these two big old tree-looking things. There were no real bushes. I mean, just the grass had grown through it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get up during the quarantine. I'm going to get me a shovel, and I'm going to go tear this thing up. Y'all, 
I have never wanted to go find the person who owned the house before me more than that day. Y'all know the garden paper that you put underneath the soil so you can put fresh soil on top to prevent the weeds from going through? This garden had four layers of garden paper. And I don't know if you knew this. You probably didn't. If it's been there a long time, it doesn't just rip up. It, it dissolves. And it gets stringy. It got so bad, my neighbor had to hook up a tow strap to a four-wheeler. And we had to yank it out and dig it out with a four-wheeler and pull them out down the street. And it was, it was, it was that ridiculous. Why? Because somebody didn't weed the garden. You wonder why you can't get past that certain thing in your life? It's because you never weeded the garden, and now you need a four-wheeler when before you would have just needed a hand shovel. Stay on top of your heart. Stay on top of your life. Get the weeds out. It's a warning. Don't grow weary. Don't sow depression. Don't sow those things. Don't be around people. Don't go make you that way. Don't hang out with people. Don't do things you used to do. Don't watch TV shows. Don't watch music. Don't watch music. Listen to music. Whatever it is, don't do any of it that's going to allow you to sow these weeds in your life because before you know it, you'll have a head that, that what is it, that torpedo grass? That like the, the head of it right here and then the root runs all the way this way across your garden and you think you got it pulled up and the next thing you pulled up eight feet of grass? Yeah, it's terrible. Thing from hell. I got it right now in my garden, making me mad thinking about it. <laughs> Pull the weeds up. Now, let's keep reading. <clears throat> and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, this is important. For in due season. That's a time related there. Y'all do know that the farmer doesn't control the time, right? He don't control the weather either. You may be saying, Pastor Chris, I've been believing for this for five years now, and I still haven't reaped yet. Okay. That's fine. Don't grow weary while doing good. Don't grow weary while doing good. we got a couple in Shalmat there waiting over two years for a baby. Don't grow weary and doing good. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Don't grow weary. For in due season. This is one of my favorite statements. You'll hear me say it. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. That is the rule of things in the kingdom. It's not a matter of if. If God says it, it will happen. Not a matter of if he's going to do it. It's just when he's going to do it. Our problem is he doesn't do it when we want him to, so we start saying, I don't know if he will. No, no. He will do it. I can't control God's timing. I have to control my waiting. So we first, we've got the warning, which is don't grow weary. We've got the promise. In due season, we shall reap. <clears throat> there is no question about if the seed can produce. The reaping is guaranteed. We shall. Why is it guaranteed? Because he says it is. He says it is. You got to understand something. <clears throat> when you're sowing into the kingdom, you're sowing into... The single most fruitful and productive thing you could ever sow into, ever. Ever, ever, ever. It has never failed. I need you to understand something, too. <clears throat> if the Apostle Paul walked through that door, a man who was beheaded for serving Jesus, and he took this microphone, he will tell you it never fails. If the Apostle James 
I mean, John, I'm sorry, who was boiled alive in oil and still lived. Walked through that door, took this mic. He would tell you it never fails. He has never failed. He will never fail. Trust me, he is not going to ruin his perfect reputation on you. (laughs) It's not going to happen. He's been proven faithful with every person that has ever trusted him since this whole thing started. What makes me think he's going to stop being faithful with Chris in 2022? That's pretty arrogant for me to think that I'm going to be the one that he screws up on. That's a pretty self-centered focus. No, 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 no. No, we shall reap. If you're believing God for a family member to get saved, we shall reap. If you're believing God to bless your finances because you've been faithfully giving, we shall reap. If you've been believing God for a healing in your life, we shall reap. Why? Because he said so. Not because I sprinkled fairy dust on it. Not because I felt some kind of way, stood somewhere, did a rain dance, one foot in the air. No, it's because he said so. My trust is not in chariots. My trust is not in horses. My trust is not in me or my will or my works or my processing or anything. My trust is in the Lord. My value is in the Lord. I'm trusting in him. I'm standing on him. I'm waiting on him. And I'm believing on him. And it does not matter how or when it will happen. We shall reap. You have to understand that the only thing that might be slowing down your reaping is the weeds. Because the weeds choke out the life source in the soil from getting to the plant. And if you're wondering why you're not producing like you think you should, find the weed. Get the weed out. Get the weed out. Philippians 1.6 says that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. You guys ever been one of those unfinished project people? Like you start something and don't finish it? You ever been one of them? How many of y'all started a book and never finished it, right? That's every hand. Yep, me, mm mm-hmm, all the time. I got three on my end table right now, unfinished. Three. Right? Praise God. They all so good. Don't want to pick up. How many of y'all got a gym membership and went like three times? Currently. But he's not that guy. He doesn't start something that he doesn't complete. Can I give you a, a pretty interesting theological thought? He who has begun a good work on you will f- is faithful to complete it. He's already completed it. He completed it before the foundation of the world began. We're just letting the process pass, time pass, until the completion manifests itself. It's done already. Boo, you're just waiting for it to manifest. It don't, it don't, you're not hoping it happens. It already happened. Amen? 1 Corinthians 2 9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind can, has conceived the things that God has in store for those who love Him. We need to understand that us reaping the best case scenario in our mind isn't even half of what He can do. Isn't even half of what He can do. Your best case scenario isn't even half. We need to understand that we're not fooling with somebody who kind of gets things done. We're fooling with, we're trusting in the, the, the one who hung the stars, told the mountains where to go, and said the ocean, you can only come this far. 
The queen of Sheba came to see Solomon in 1 Kings. And she says that not even a half of his splendor had been told to her. Not even a half. Caitlin and I went to Oregon in 2021. It's the prettiest place I've ever been. We went to Depot Bay. It's a city on the coast of Oregon. We had a wedding in Portland, and I accidentally booked an Airbnb two and a half hours away. It was a really big mistake. Best mistake I've ever made, though, just for the record, until I fell down a mountain. We'll talk about that later. But, um, but we got there, and the, the description of the Airbnb, you ever had an Airbnb read a description? It's like, beautiful house, spacious kitchen, great views. Cold air, right? If I see cold air, I get nervous, right? I don't need you to tell me the air is supposed to be cold. What is it if it isn't, right? Anyway, but so, like, I go through all this, and I read it. Well, we got there really late the first night because we had a rehearsal dinner two and a half hours away. We drove two and a half hours to get to our place. When we get there, we were late. And it said on the thing that you could see whales from the back porch, right? And I'm like, oh, yes, indeed. It's going to be great. So I get there, and, y'all, the ocean is dark. There's no lights over the ocean. So we get there, and I walk outside the first night, and I can't see nothing. I can't see anything. And I'm like, they said this is supposed to be this beautiful view. I just drove two and a half hours. I can't see nothing. This is really, I'm getting aggravated, right? And we're outside, and we can hear the push of, like, the whales, like, the little bullet holes at the top. I'm like, I can't even see them right there. What if they don't come back? Oh, my gosh. Well, our body clocks were off. So we usually get up around 6, 36 o'clock at home. So we got up at 3.34 o'clock over there because it's two hours back. And we wake up. And, y'all, I went outside. They got to change that description of that Airbnb. It did not tell how beautiful it was. Y'all, we went on a trip and spent half the, this is not a lie, spent half the trip on the back porch drinking coffee. We just didn't want to move. It was absolutely beyond what I could have comprehended. And the head pictures didn't do it justice. The description didn't do it justice. That's the God you serve. That the description won't do it justice. The pictures, won't, the testimonies of someone else's breakthrough isn't going to do it justice. Because when it happens for them, you say amen. When it happens to you, you're speechless. That's the God we serve. It's so much bigger and stronger and greater than you can imagine. i got to hurry. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we've got the warning, and we've got the promise. Now we've got the condition. Verse 9, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. If we don't lose heart. When I found out how far away our Airbnb was from the wedding, I considered canceling it and getting a different one. Because I'm like, how in the world are we going to drive two and a half hours one way? We got the rehearsal dinner, we got the wedding, like all that kind of stuff. I'm like, ah. we, I start looking on the phone trying to find something else. Then I'd have to pay the cancellation fee and pay for that night. And all, I mean, you know, all, you know all the nonsense. And I'm like, you know what? It's too late. I'm not going to worry. We're just going to go. And we're driving two and a half hours. And and where we were in Portland, you leave Portland, and there's mountains kind of off in the distance. And there's just like farmland, like Mississippi. And it's hilly. It's pretty. 
But, like, there's this gigantic mountain we got to go over, and I'm like, jeez, the mountain just didn't get any bigger. It just stayed, like, took forever to get there. Like this, it reminds you of how slow you're moving. That's what it felt like. And we finally get there, and we start going up this mountain, and we don't have no cell phone service. It's nighttime. I ain't never been on a mountain in my life, and I'm driving up one. Can't see a thing. And, like, the trees were so thick that you didn't know there was a car coming until the car was coming around the turn. It was, it was, it was scary. And I'm like, she's freaking out because she is blonde as a bat without her glasses in. So she just sees headlights and just loses it every time. <laughs> right? And so we're driving. But I knew, I knew I had, oh, this, this, this wasn't planned. It's about to get real good. I knew I had a reservation at this place that I was told was gorgeous. But what I was going through to get to it, I couldn't see but 10 feet and 15 feet in front of me. It was nerve-wracking. It was scary. The people in the car with me were questioning if I knew what I was doing. I tried changing my mind several times, tried finding a better option because this one's closer, this one's more convenient. But, but instead, I just kept driving. And even when I got to the address, I didn't realize where I was. Some of you have been driving and trusting God and believing God for years. And it's scary and it's difficult. You've tried to find other options. You've tried to cancel your reservation and get another one. You've tried to think of another plan, another process, another method by which you can get it done. But, but for some reason, you've, you've stayed faithful to what God told you to do and where God told you to go. Because he's got a reservation for you. I can promise you this. When you wake up on that morning and you see what he had in store for you, the car ride is worth it. The journey is worth it. You won't get to experience the joy of morning if you don't drive through the dead of night. Now, we've talked about this for a month. Investing, sowing seed, planting seed, and reaping is what we expect to do. Two weeks ago, the last, three weeks ago when I was here, or whenever I was here, I don't remember anymore. A couple weeks ago when I preached the second message of this series and I talked about our time, our talent, and our faith. And I got to time and I mentioned how the time is money. We've all heard a statement. We talk about giving and tithing and all this kind of stuff. What you don't know is that I challenged the leadership of this church to do an invest offering. I said, I want you to pray and ask God for an amount of money you're supposed to sow, and I want you to sow it into the kingdom, and I want to see what God does. Well, Pastor Nick was the first one to do it, and he already has his testimony. I don't know, when he did it, what, two weeks ago? So real quick, so at the beginning of the month, like just like Pastor Chris was saying, really felt led, felt the Lord prompt me to give a certain amount as an offering, but also increase my weekly giving. And literally, so so one Sunday I increased my weekly giving, and then that very next day I gave my offering. Well, that Friday I literally got a raise, and I'm making four grand more a year. When at the end, at the beginning of the week I sowed, so it was it, God multiplied what I gave. So that's what that's what we're saying. Like whatever God's putting on your heart to give, give that, and He multiplies what you give. So I want to tell you, I'm not telling you who gave what. I just want to let you know that I put the challenge out there, and this leadership team gave. $3,000 over tithing offering this month. 
So, now some of you might be getting a little awkward because I'm talking about money, right? I ain't talking about money. I'm talking about your time. And the last time I checked, God gave me every second I have. Now, I didn't go to school to be a respiratory therapist. I didn't go to school to be whatever it is you want school to be. My buddy Lewis in the back is works in real estate and loans. I, I don't have that training. I, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to do all of that. My time doesn't have the same hourly amount as, as those people do because I didn't invest it the way they did. I can't be mad at them for that. What I can do is take the what God has given me, what I've done with the time I have, and I can trust him with it. I want to challenge you to do the same thing that I challenge leadership to do. Pray and ask God, God, how much? Now, uh, real quick, tithe is 10%. Offering is 11 and above. Right? So whatever you give in addition to what you've already sowed in tithe and offerings, I want to challenge you to do that. And then attached to that challenge is be looking. Because I guarantee you, we shall reap. So I'm, I didn't do this with the Shalmet Church. The Lord specifically told me to do this with you guys. Challenge you. I, it, look, if it's $15, it, that's, you know. You know how to hear from God. You know what he says. You know what God tells you to do. I'm not asking you to do something you can't do. I'm asking you to do something God tells you you can do. But you don't get to hear from him. Because we shall reap. The condition is if we do not lose heart. James 5, 7, and 8 says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. 1 Corinthians 15 and 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast, be immovable, and establish your hearts because he gives us the victory. Mama, don't quit. Daddy, keep standing. Mama, keep praying. Brother, sister, keep doing what you're doing. Keep serving. Keep plugging away. Keep being faithful. Why? You will reap. You will. Now, I want to speak to that challenge one more time. The Bible says in Malachi, test me in this. It's the only spot that we're given the right to test God is in finances. So that's why I'm not saying go outside and do 100 push-ups and see if God lets you get to 100. I'm saying test him is because he tells us to. If you do it and you do it online, I want you to put invest offering on it because I want to be able to go back and find out what the percentage of increase was because I like knowing how much God just blew my mind. But be excited to sow because we shall.